Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. LFC Day Trippers, brought to you by bookmakers.com. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the midweek fix from the LFC Day Trippers. It's me and Kev again. Uh, me and Kev were with you last night discussing all things transfers, and we will touch on them again today because everything, loads of stuff happens um, on a daily basis. But the most of the show tonight is going to be based around Liverpool, a home to Leicester tomorrow night in the Premier League. We are going to talk about our new charity thing that's starting. Um, should be the first week in January. And um, yeah, if we have any transfers, anything in the chat, um, please let us know and we will try to discuss them as we go. Um, what was I going to say to you, Kev? Um, people in the chat, hit the like button and interact in that chat. That's all we ask for. If you do that, that's absolutely amazing. Kev, how are you? We're back on the Guinness again, my friend. <laughs> We're back on the Guinness again. Yeah, yeah. no, good. Is this really just good. a reason to drink now at this stage, Kev? Yeah. Is it I mean, before, be- before the 2nd and 3rd of January, we'll make up any excuses that are going, but it's as good an excuse as any, I suppose. Yeah, it is, isn't it? <coughs> but, um, no, I tell you what, man, my day started off banging. I, I was playing FIFA this morning, and just a random thing, just doing Ultimate Team, and I had a player that I was going to throw away, and I didn't. I went to put him in another pack, and I ended up packing Gerb Muller. Shawnee has like, Gerb Muller and just fell in love with him last <sighs> night. He's an absolute dream. I got, I, I just like, I was like gobsmacked. And then... You go into, like, there's a bit at the end of it where it tells you about the player's stats and whatever. His stats for Bayern Munich are ridiculous. Mm. Yep. 600, 680-odd games and so like 583 goals. Yeah. Savage plan. Yeah, that's why the one thing I love about with FIFA with the icon, you go and look at the players and that. You go and look back at some of these icons. And Gerd Muller is one that never gets talked about. And... He was a ridiculous striker, a ridiculous number nine. And 
I know. I just enjoyed it. I went down the YouTube rabbit hole then after that. Yeah. And, uh, and do you know that's what? That's a dangerous place to be going. <laughs> you, you touch on that, like going back and seeing players that are not mentioned. That's why I do that history show. Because you end up coming across players and some people will know, some people won't know. And then you end up down a rabbit hole, like I said. Um, this show, of course, is brought to you by bookmakers.com. Um, you can go to bookmakers.com and check out loads of stats around any Premier League team you want. Um, odds, of course, they aren't a bookmakers. They're just somebody that give you all the odds, give you the option to go and sign up the bookmakers um, around the world if you want to sign up to them and get involved. If you don't gamble, don't. it's not your thing. If you do... Have a look at it. Um, as I said, it's not just, you know, sign up here or sign up there. There's, I'm after looking up stats on the game and players injured and all sorts of stuff. It's like odds and stuff like that. But always, always gamble responsibly. But we'd like to thank bookmakers.com for being the sponsor of this show. Um, before we get into Liverpool-Leicester, some sad news today um, of the passing of Pele. Um, the, the world's first footballing superstar, I think it's fair enough to say. Yeah. Um, and he passed away at 80 years of age. And as soon as I seen 80, I went, Jesus. Like, you no, don't, 82. You don't, 82. Was he 82? Sorry, 82, 82 years of age. 82, and yeah. you kind of look and go, yeah, Jesus, born in 1940. You know, and, and you think back to Sweden 58 and you see all the clips of Sweden 58. And, you know, he kind of gets lost a little bit in recency bias, bias, I suppose, when you think of Maradona, Ronaldo, both Ronaldos, I suppose. Um, yeah. Messi and Zidane, Cruyff, Platini, whatever. But when you look at some of the clips of Pele, um, <laughs> just an outrageous footballer. Great player. Uh, I mean, most people my age, your age, and people in the chat would know him from Escape to Victory. You know, that would have been the first size of Pele because we didn't have football. You know, it wasn't... It was a case like you had World Cup, you had European Championships growing up, and that was it. So you'd have videos... And you'd see like snippets of the, and you'd you'd hear these great players, the likes of Doug Leash, uh, George Best, when they're interviewed. Pele's the yardstick. Pele was always the yardstick for everyone until Maradona came along. Mm. And the records stand the stand the test of time. I mean, he'll always have that over him that he never played in Europe. And it's a shame, really, that he never it never came about. But at the end of the day, the records he had he had in in World Cups alone, you know, there's some of them. I, I'd imagine some of them still stand. And if they don't stand, it's taking an exceptional player to take him to take it off of him. And you look at some of the goals. I looked at some of the goals that he scored tonight before we came on. And you look at the pitches they were playing on. And you look at the defenders trying to hatch at him. And, and the balls they were playing with, like. I, they were, I mean, we <laughs> probably weighed about four they, stone, like you know what I mean. Yeah, exactly. But there was one goal. I think it was it was early in his career, and ball came into him in the penalty box, took it on his chest, and he did a he just juggled the ball and did a complete one eighty and slotted it. Mm. And you're like, you know, players do that now, and they're big write ups and they're the next big thing. He was doing this 1958, 50s, 60s, right through the I seen, 70s. I seen, I seen he did video. everything. I seen a video a couple of weeks ago where it was like, Pele is doing this stuff that you see today. He was doing it in the 60s. And it was like a video where you'd see Zidane do something. And then a flicks mm. to Pele doing it. Then you see like Cruyff, Pele is doing it. Then you see Maradona, Pele was doing it. You know, and I just like, <coughs> I think 
it's probably taken his death for people to go back and appreciate him in certain yeah. in certain um oh, eras. I, I I don't I think that's fair fair enough um to say and you know what I I hope now that over the next couple of days weeks whatever it might be and um where you start seeing these compilations across everyone gets to see them everyone goes and looks at Pele because uh you know we talk about samba football and from Brazil and you talk about 1970 where Pele was a huge part of it but he was doing it from 58 He's doing yeah. it. He's doing it twelve years before you think Pele is at his peak. He's he's running a muck. Like, do you know what there's I mean? There's a there's a there's a couple of good films of his life out there. Um, there is I, th- I can't remember whether I watched on Netflix or Amazon, but it was just a two hour film film of his life, and there wasn't much football in it until they got to the fifty eight World Cup, hmm. and that's when it finished. The, the end of the film was the fifty eight World Cup, and you know this is a, a kid who never had it easy. His father was a player. And his mother was totally against him becoming a footballer. Yeah. But he just had it in his genes kind of thing. He had it in his blood and he did everything he could to play. And because he was Brazilian and black, it was a different era. It was, Mm. I mean, segregation in Brazil was no different to segregation anywhere else in the world at the time. Mm. And just because you, I mean, you had your Portuguese Brazilians who were treated better than your black Brazilians. And he had to really go through it to to prove himself, and but once he did, it it was just like it was evolutionary what happened because of him, mm. and he dragged Brazil through. I mean, I suppose you have to go maybe go back to the history of the nineteen fifty World Cup to them to Brazil losing and the drama that that Keith is perfect for this, but the. The, the heartache that that caused the nation for them losing the 1950 World Cup to see the elation when they won in 1958 mm. and having done it in Europe. And here's this 17-year-old kid that's like a gift to the world. Yeah. And at 17 years of age, he was thrust into the spotlight. And football became a global sport largely on the back of him because back, back then, it, you know, it was, what, a 16-team World Cup? And yeah, most of the kind teams of, were part-time. Tr- yeah, and it starts to get bigger through his time. Like, um, yeah. there's, there's loads of good stuff coming in here. Uh, Bart Deco says, I saw Pele play for Santos at Home Park in Plymouth. Um, well, wow. that's that's mad. Uh, Tor says, um, well, no, it wasn't. It was Lazo says, Pele was decent, but could he do it on Stoke on a wet and windy Tuesday night case closed? I reckon he'd, he could. He'd, he'd laugh at Stoke <laughs> on a wet and windy Tuesday night. I'm being honest, because um, when you look at some it of the conditions he played in, it was... <laughs> Like going and playing in Stoke on a Wednesday or Tuesday night, and it's wet. It probably felt like going to Wembley for an FA Cup final for him. But it's just um, it's it's a brilliant career. You know, some people mock it because of the goals he claims to have got, and you know, things he's promoted since he's retired and and all sorts of stuff. But as a footballer, um, I'd I'd say there's loads of people tonight (coughs) going and watching compilations of Pele. Right through to is is seventy four his last World Cup? No, seventy is his last World 70. Cup. Then he w- he went to the inaugural MLS, yeah, the inaugural NASL, mm. and then he went. I think at the time, I think George Best went over there yeah. as well. There was Beckenbauer was there. It was like the who's who of that era. Yeah, were playing in the North American yeah. League, and he yeah. went and played for New York. So it was like the, the spotlight is on him again. Yeah, but I think he retired in the late seventies 
officially. Yeah. From club football, but it was more like by that time it was more like pantomime stuff. But yeah, uh, but look, a, a brilliant career. Um, condolences to his family, his friends, former teammates, whoever it might be. Um, you know, a, a brilliant career, and you know, eighty-two years of age is a fine age to get to, but it's still a massive loss in, in the loss of um in the loss of Pele. And when you think, and and you know what, I don't know why I got thinking about this today, but I remember reading the book, nothing to do with Pele. I remember reading the book a while ago. Um. A good few years ago now, about a player called Robin Friday, uh Reading, um, who was just, you know, when you apparently he was compared to George Best, and he was just this maverick. So if you ever got a chance, um, go and look up the book about Rob. I think his name was Robin Friday, um, go and check it out because it was a really, really good book. And what a character this fellow was as well. You know, struggled with demons, but was was meant to be an absolutely brilliant footballer. I think it was in the seventies he played for Reading. I'm nearly sure, but someone probably read it as well and, and will let me know in the chat. Um, if you're in the chat, which there is loads of you in the chat, hit the like button because if you hit the like button and you interact with this, it means more people will see it, and then they might come along and like it and subscribe. We can't get people to subscribe. We can't make them, but by you liking and interacting on this. It will give pe- more people a chance to see what we're doing for free, by the way. And maybe they'll come along, like it, and subscribe and join you. Um, and all them people are in there on a nightly basis. Um, Liverpool versus Leicester. Liverpool looking for their fourth league win in a row. Um, at Anfield tomorrow night. Leicester come into this horrendous start of the season, picked up a bit. By all accounts, were appalling against Newcastle at the weekend, but give Newcastle credit because I believe Newcastle were really good. I don't know if you've seen any of that, Kev. Um, I did a bit. You did a bit. Yeah. So of the bit you've seen? Uh, I watched the first 25 minutes and mm-hmm. Newcastle absolutely destroyed them. Newcastle broke their hearts. And mm-hmm. the thing is, this was a Leicester side coming into this. I think the worst thing that happened to Leicester was the World Cup break. Because going into the break for the World Cup, Madison was flying. They were scoring goals. They were keeping keeping it tight at the back. They were turning it around. And whatever happened, the World Cup break, James Madison got injured. Mm-hmm. They got knocks galore. And they look like they're the exact same team that started the league. Uh, they look terrified of the ball. And they look like nobody wants it. They're hiding in, hiding in games. And... It was night and day the difference in the two. In if you watch Leicester pre World Cup and you watch Leicester against Newcastle, the the drop off was literally look, we're sick and tired of listening to this manager. Uh, somebody needs to change something. That's you know that you get that kind of vibe off of um, yeah. off players when they've they've had enough. That was exactly the kind of performance that players throw throw in when they've had enough of their manager, and. If you watched it, it was um, it was horrific. Some of the stuff, it really was. It was. Um, if I was a Leicester fan watching that, I'd be really worried. They're lucky they got points in the bag when they did, but if something has to change there, otherwise they'll get dragged back into a dogfight again. And I don't know if they could get out of it a second time. Not with the amount of players in the contract situation that they're in. Um, too many players looking for exits. Too many players um, just don't want to don't want that manager there. Mm. It's telling. It really is. You know, you could. It was telling in the lineup, and it's more telling in the predicted lineups from the Leicester press going into tomorrow night. So um, just just on the just on the on the on the game itself, because he doesn't start Vardy, who hasn't kicked the ball for six weeks. 
doesn't yeah. start him. He plays Daco up front, right? Um, he has is it a Marte playing centre back? Marte's centre back, yeah, yeah, along with Fayez. Is that the guy's name? Yeah. Um, the young fullback I left, and he could start Castagna. I think was right back. Danny yeah. Ward is in goal, and he's just an unmitigated disaster. Um, and but like you know, like Chris says, there no Madison is a bonus for us. I would expect Vardy to start after not starting versus Newcastle. Plus, his record versus top six is very good. It is. Madison knee injury looks like it could be a big issue for them. And Liverpool or Leicester came to Liverpool in the League Cup last season and put Vardy and Daka up front and just tried to hit Liverpool out uh, pace against a really inexperienced Liverpool side at the time. Um, Own comments says, lad, you had the exact same conversation about Rogers this time last year and how he'd lost the dressing room, etc. And he went on to beat us. Let's not get carried away. Um, yeah, it's a fair yeah, point. But Liverpool were on a good run at the time, if I remember rightly. Um, yeah. And we did get beaten, but we probably should have won the game. We were quite wasteful in the game. Um, but it's when I when I look at it, is the Madison thing is it simply down to Madison not being able to play, not being able to play because. Jewsby Hall's a really good footballer, but I don't think he's that creative. Like, is it? Just, excuse me. Is it? Is it just down to Madison makes this tick, and if he's not there, are we reading too much into Rodgers and what the squad think of him? Because it seems I, to be that I, if Madison's out, they don't seem to play. I mean, Madison is everything goes through him, and he's just got this uh, ability. He knows everybody on the pitch, and he knows how they want the balls played to them. And he was just in a rich vein of form. You know, he's one of those players that when he's on it, he's as good as anything. You know, he he's up there with any player in, in a number 10 position in Europe when he's on it. And before the World Cup, he was in as good a form as I've ever seen. He was, I think he'd scored seven goals. He was creating loads of chances. And you look at the rest of them, the arse just looks like they've fallen out of them. They look like without him, they they just they're devoid of confidence. And Sam, it was Sam Sam Tandy throws something in. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, he's no, like, he I... says, I think Madison is injured, but not as bad as it seems. I think it's because he could be leaving there in January. I like, think it's. I wouldn't could, be surprised. Look, like, we can read into anything as as football fans, but yeah, like I know if I'm not playing football, I'm still under listen to Brandon Rodgers for six weeks. Me, I'm fucking losing the plot anyway, but. Could other players be looking there going, he's on his way out. We probably we don't know if we bring anyone in. It's a bit of giving up going on in Leicester. I don't know. And, and it's, we're only basing this off one game because it's Newcastle. No, you have to give Newcastle, you know, some credit. I don't think he'd make yeah. it back. Let's go on. Let's go on the. Let's go on the possible lineup for Leicester. The you've seen reported by Leicester journalists. What? Where yeah. are they going with that? Right. This is the one that the Leicester Leicestershire Live are going with. They're going with Ward and Goal, Castagne, Amarty, Faze, and Thomas at the back as a back four. Same back four Sam- as against Newcastle. Same back four. Samari, Tillemans, and Dewsbury Hall as a midfield same, three. Same three as started. Yep. Iosi Perez, uh, Jamie in. Vardy, and Harvey Barnes. So Perez in for Pratt and Vardy in for Dakey. Yeah, and then they're looking at a bench of Sionchu, who apparently is on the move. Vestergaard, who Rogers didn't want and won't play. Worm Leighton, never heard of him. Brunt, Mendy, Ndidi, Albrighton, McAteer. Ndidi's not getting a game. And Daka. No. 
Okay. That to me tells it's either he's injured and he's not match fit or there's conflict with the manager. Yeah. Because Wilfred and Didi, if you were looking at ranking number sixes in the Premier League over the last three years, he'd be up there. He's in your top he's in your top five. Yeah. You know, and, and <coughs> we were talking to a Leicester fan, weren't we, at the start of the season? Um, start of the season, yeah. And the, his take on Leicester was that it's not that they're short of money, it's that their squad is too big. And they can't get rid of anybody in the squad, so the hence they can't bring anybody in. And they can't afford to, you know, leave out whoever. Like, if they if they turn around tomorrow and say, look, Vardy's 36 and, you know... It, Rogers just gone completely off him, but we, you know, no one, no one's gonna pay him the wages we're paying him at that age. Something, you know, probably someone would have Vardy in fairness, um, like in Everton would love Vardy, you know, the sort of way. Oh god, but, yeah. But it, it seemed to me at the start of the season that the logistics of the squad was the issue for them. You know, people were going out that they were losing money, and the owners were ready to to to, you know, hit the big red button and get out of there, but. But I always thought it was just a case of he's stuck with this squad and he can't get rid of any of them. And it's starting to, you know, a bit of a mutiny starting to go on within that within that squad. And, like, at the start of the season, I looked and I think they'd one point after seven games. And I was kind of going, he has to go. But then yeah. again, the thing about can they afford to get rid of him because the rumour number was 20 million quid, wasn't it? To get rid of yeah. Brendan Rodgers there at Leicester. And then you're going to probably have to pay another club somewhere to take their manager unless you're unless someone pops up and it's just a weird situation at Leicester I think it's so hard to read and that's why me and you are throwing out all sorts here all of it could be absolute bollocks by the way but there's a reason for you throwing it out there because you couldn't not that you're throwing it out and making suggestions you're kind of going could it be this could it be that here's an interesting one here right Leicester have not been in the bottom half of the Premier League table at the turn of the year since 2016-17 Right. You know, it, and that was that was the season that they won the league. It, they won, it, they won, no, they won the league 15-16. Yeah. Well... Uh, they were in the bottom half of the league the following season. The following season. It's it's just, when you look at the... That's six years? Five, six years? Yeah. In that length of time, they've been knocking on the door of Europe. They've been pushing Champions League spots. It's more or less the same squad with a bit of investment. And I've never seen a side drop off a cliff like this. Well, I haven't done it in a long time. And there's, there's only a few reasons for, for that happening. Either they've aged overnight, which you could, you could see happening with a few players. But the other... Look, the elephant in the room is the coaching staff and the manager. Now the coaching staff have lost Colo Tura as well. He's yeah. gone to he's gone to Wigan, so that's one less voice that they're hearing. Is it a case that Tillemans is weighing up his options? Madison, well, Tillemans out of contract. Tillemans out of contract at the end of the season. He can talk. But to James James Milne week. says Atletico are interested in Soyuncu, right? And um, you've got. Pats and Dacca's probably moved there and gone, what the... Because Pats and Dacca was one of the hottest properties in Europe when he was when, he, when Leicester picked them up. When he was a Liverpool Salzburg, were, yeah? yeah, Liverpool were meant to be, like, really interested in him. And you're kind of going, it hasn't kind of worked for him. You know, you look at you look at Madison, who I think wants out of there, and I think he's right to. I'm not going to hold yeah. it against any player that wants to get away from Brendan Rodgers. Right? Now, one point out of seven games, they're probably thinking to themselves, well, if we want out of here, we're going to have to fucking start playing. 
or no one will touch us. He'll get sacked. Someone else will come in. Won't like us, right? We'll get left in the fucking on the bench and kind of out of favour. And then who's going to take that risk on you? You know what I mean? Because they all have their own ego to fucking to boost at all times. It's yeah. It's um. But then you look at the you look at what's you look at the core of that squad, the core that's starting eleven. Castagna is a good player. Thomas is a bright spark. He's decent. Faze is a really good centre-back that they picked Pete up. was a big fan of Samara. Yeah, Samara came in from the French League. This is his second season, so yeah. he should have kicked on. Mendy is another one. They spent good money on him. Indeed, a good number six, a good solid number six. Armati knows the league, been around, solid player. JB Vardy, goals. Madison, creative. Tillemans can pick passes. Harvey Barnes, there is no way. I suppose Harvey Barnes was. They were talking. But that's what I'm saying. It, Kev, it. it screams to me. It screams to me, and I know nothing about Leicester, right? And I should probably no. get Pete Selby on here to tell me about them a bit more, actually, because Pete sound haven't spoken to him in a while. But it just screams to me of a squad of players that are caught between not giving a fuck about who's in charge, like just not liking them, and just trying enough to keep themselves in. Not a shop window, but some sort of relevance. And yeah. that's what it screams to me. But like like someone says there, I think it was Owen says earlier, um, you know, don't get over the top. We, we were expected to go and win there. And we did miss, Salah miss a penalty and all. Everything goes on that day. Owen says people go over the top because of Rodgers. Last season was a disaster, apparently. Yeah, came eight and got to the semi-final of the Conference League. Uh, more than good enough for Leicester, says Owen. Yeah, but Owen, I, I get you. But... The progression Leicester were looking for, and the, the you know they're looking to expand the king power. They are they've they've one of the best training grounds in the world apparently, um, and that's yeah. and I'm not saying that lightly. Genuinely, they've one of the best training centers in the world, um, from all accounts, right? And it's not that they came eight, right? Because and and got to the conference league semi final. The conference league is fucking like ridiculous. Like, do you know what I mean? The big thing for him was in nineteen twenty. Right, he failed to make top four, and twenty twenty one, he failed to make top four when he should have, and that's yeah. where the problem is. And now they don't look anywhere near it. And listen, I'm trying my best to be even killed over Brandon Rogers, right? But if if I'm a, if I'm an owner of a football club and go fifth, should have came fourth, like literally picked up nineteen points in twenty three games off the back of nineteen twenty, second half nineteen twenty, right? Or 23 points in 19 games, I think it was. Following season, fifth, right? Doesn't make it, okay? And then eight, forget the Conference League, eight. And now they're looking and they're going, one win in the four, or one point in the four, seven, picked it up a little bit, but looked appalling against Newcastle. But again, give yeah. Newcastle credit because they came out and done their job. Yeah. What I'm saying is, is that the owners of the club are probably looking going, mm, do we stick or twist? And the players start to look and go, Oh, listen, this is going fucking bad. Now there's much to blame. They're on the pitch. Oh, but yeah, when 100%. you when you get when you get a little bit of niggle between a manager and a, and a dressing room, it's only going to go one way. And they'll do enough to keep themselves relevant, the players. But they don't. They won't care because Leicester already with we're approaching halfway through the season. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Are saying to themselves, if we we'd probably end up 10th, 11th, 12th, that'll be it. Do you know what I mean? It's not going to do anything yeah. for them. And the likes of Tielemans, who's on his way out, the likes of Madison, Dewsbury Hall, Dacca, even Vardy, Harvey Barnes, certainly, Castagna, and Didi, all of these players looking going, I'm better than this. I'm better than yeah. this, but I just can't be arsed being better right here, right now. But look, it's a, it's an interesting kind of lineup that you think, I think they will go with Vardy. I think they, I think they could possibly go Vardy and Dacca, um, just to go for pay. So, Let's look at Liverpool because they're going for this four win in a row. You know, they've they're just sitting there like like Klopp says in punching distance. And you just have to keep putting the three points on the board because Newcastle play Arsenal the game after next, I think. Am I right? Around toward of January, so. I think. Um There's a lot of big fixtures coming up. There the is big week. fixtures coming up where they're all kinda of hitting each other. We have we literally have this and Brentford where you go, put six points on the board and see where you are because if we win this and win our next one, you're possibly looking at being very close to Spurs with a game in hand. Now, we're 15 yeah. points off Arsenal, same amount of games played. Don't be worrying about that. No. But you have to keep targeting who's in fourth. Chances are all games played equal. It's United that are going to fourth. You're probably chasing them or four points off them. We just have to do our job. So Liverpool going out there tomorrow night, Kev. You know, I think it's a really good win at Villa Park. I think there was shaky moments. There was really good moments. There was... It was a bit fucking mad at times. But we change a couple, all of our midfielders, or two of our midfielders anyway, and we bring in the likes of Bacetic comes in, scores a goal. Keita comes on. You know, Ox starts. Darwin's there. Salah's there. You know, we, we, we make good changes at good times. But Klopp has to be looking at this going, bang, bang, two league games. And we'll deal with Wolves when it gets here. So where do you see Liverpool going with this? Um, they're... Our games are every four days, I think, over this period. So it's just enough time to play the game, rest, recover, analyse who you're playing and go again. Um, I don't think he'll make too many changes. Um, we created an, an abundance of chances against Villa. And as a good Villa side, in form with a, a new manager who's got Villa structured and defensively sound, so you, so we're led to believe. And Nunes ripped into shreds. It, it was one of those performances that if we'd have rattled off five or six, it wouldn't have been unjustified. And it was just a, the amount of misses is it puts an asterisk next to the next to the result really because it should have been a lot more convincing than what it was. Yeah, yeah they had moments, but I think. Our biggest, I'd love to come out of tomorrow night with a clean sheet just to have that. It's almost like a hoodoo now. We've only kept five clean sheets this season. Oh, listen, Um, I don't care about clean sheets. If you keep telling me we're going to win 3-1 every week, I don't give a fuck about clean sheets. No, I I like clean sheets because then you only need one. And if you get back into the habit of being mean and nasty and sides when you playing against someone and you go one up and their hearts just sink that's what happens against newcastle 
because Newcastle are so hard to beat, they don't concede many at all. When when you go one up against them, sides they just sink and they wallow and they take unnecessary risks and they get countered and hit two or three. That's what we were really good at when we were miserly and giving away goals. Mm. Is the sides that once you go one up, it'll break their hearts instantly. Mm. And the one thing about the Villa game that was brilliant was the fact that we started so quick. Yeah. You know, whereas the first half of the season, the first half of that group of games, we were slow out of the blocks. We were giving away giving away leads. If you get back to keeping clean sheets, that in itself gives everyone confidence that you get one and that's enough. You get two and it's done. Well, and the, it's not just you know it, the opponents know Yeah, it. well, that's it. And, and, and Liverpool were like that in 18, 19, 19, and 20 when you just got a goal and the people went, oh, listen, fuck that. We take the one nil out of the two and we get out of here. Rory says, Leicester have a Madaway record. They are number one in terms of goals scored with 16, but are number three in terms of goal conceded on 19. They've won their last three away games, Wolves 4-0, Everton 2-0, West Ham 2-0. I, I want Rory to be our stats man. I've asked Rory him, is the man when it comes. Well, I've to asked stats. him numerous occasions will he come on and do a podcast with me, and he won't. I'd love to um, hear Rory come on, but he, he, I'll keep working on it, Kev. Right? I live very Definitely. close to him, so I'll start knocking on his Can't door and throwing stones at his window. Um, <laughs> knock on the door, bring cans. Would be great. <laughs> if I bring cans, I might walk actually. Um, and then <coughs> John backs it up on sofa score. Liverpool have created fifty-two big chances this season. Only City with fifty-four have more in the league. Problem is, we are yeah. way ahead of everyone else when it comes to big chances missed with thirty-seven. Right now, before we get into what our lineup might be, and before we get into where we can get at Leicester, where we have to be wary of Leicester, that's a big point. Miss chance, big miss chance of 37. Now, I don't know how they measure these because it's a bit like XG. XG is the weirdest fucking starting football for me because they don't factor in who it is and what the weather's like, where the ball's coming from. It's just like for all these fucking, you know, shiny things in football, XG is just mad. Right, they measure XG of Joe Gomez with a chance from twelve yards out, the same as Darwin Nunes or Erling Haaland, which is insane. Yeah. But um, this is this a chance, Kev, for Liverpool to put chances away and not fire a warning to people, but you know it's a good win at Villa Park. We're going to a dif- different, a different and difficult game at Brentford. Let's be honest; it's going to be a difficult game yeah. at Brentford. But is this a chance where? As much as we be going, what are Brentford going to do? Brentford will be looking going, fuck me, they're at the hitting Leicester for four or five here and everything that just fell, they were lethal. As much as you say about clean sheets, Kev, I think people want clean sheets more at the moment because are we taking a chance at the other end? If we start taking chances at the other end, Kev, clean sheets won't matter. Let's be honest about it. Yeah, it, it, we're getting enough chances. Uh, Darwin is creating a, an absolute madness when he plays. And... You saw, there was one thing, did you, did you see the clip of him when he walked through the tunnel after? And he was he was just like, delighted with life, mm-hmm. big punch in the air with the win. And then he put out that tweet in the night, later in the evening, thanking people for their support and for the knockers, just relax. And that's a great mindset to have, that he knows the goals will come if he keeps getting these, these volume of chances. And every game he plays, he gets chances. Three or four really good half chances in every game he plays. So I, I'm i not worried about him at all. I think this, the more you surround him with better players, 
he's going to come right. Um, but at the same time, there's a couple of things in his game that you worry about, like running offside, making silly runs. But there's there's too much to like about how he plays and how he brings others into play as well. Because I'd say on the back of him, when he starts scoring, defenders will start worrying about him. Salah will open the, open the floodgates then, and he'll create a madness. But tomorrow night is going to, it's one of those games where you have to back up to Villa win. You know, it, yeah. we're like Klopp was saying in his press, press conference, we're in chasing mode. But chasing mode means you have to be picking up three points and you have to get on a run eight, nine games, yeah. you know, and see what 27 points does to you in nine games. Well, if Liverpool went you know? and won their next eight league games and put 27 yeah. on the board after the World Cup, I would expect them to be within about six points at the top of the table. And yeah. I mean that. Yeah, no, I think so. Because, because this... there's a there's a real pre there's a real start of the season feel off this. You know, yeah. and, and I think if you get it out out the blocks quick, I I still don't think we can get near Arsenal or or City. I still think in the end of the day City will just do do the league because oh, of the experience they have. I don't know if they win a comfortable because Arsenal are winning games. And people yeah, are going, there's the 24 re- left, there's 24 left or whatever. But at the same time, or 23 left, at the same time, they're winning games. Chris made a great point the other night when he was talking about it. And give give the devil his due. Pressure does funny things to clubs. Arsenal have never been in this situation where... And I was talking to um, it was an Arsenal fan that we've had on on a Friday night. So I can't remember his name. Dennis. And it's a different kettle of fish. When Man City get on a run of 10-12 games and they win all 10-12, and Arsenal have to win to match them. Yeah, you know when you have to keep pace with someone that's that relentless, it's a different kettle of fish. It's not like I think. I think it's, I, but I, but as much as as much as people think that Arsenal might fall off, right? I think it's a much tighter tighter title race than people think. Don't get me wrong. If C were to win the next five. And Arsenal were to lose two of those five, and that City go a point or two ahead. I think it could be over because once City get that nose in front, they just are relentless. On what they do. Out, yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, but listen, that's probably none of our business at the moment. It could mm. become our business if something mental happens. But let's look at let's look at where are you wary of Leicester before we look at the Liverpool team? and What we should play? Where are you wary of Leicester? Because Harvey ba- Harvey Barnes. Right. 100%. Harvey Barnes, down that left-hand side, that spacing behind Trent with Dewsbury Hall looking for him and Vardy making runs off of whoever plays opposite Virgil. Mm-hmm. That's probably their main threat. Castagna is good from fullback. He can put good crosses in, but you'd expect Virgil and whoever plays next to him to mop that, that kind of stuff up. But in general, that's their main threat. Harvey Barnes, Dewsbury Hall. And Thomas isn't a bad attacking fullback, but at the same time, he's not going to be too attacking with Salah prepared to go the other way. Um, Leicester, when they come to Anfield, they haven't won at Anfield since 2000. and They have got a good record against us. I think they've won two of their last three against us, mm-hmm. but not at Anfield. Uh, they don't have a good record at Anfield at all. And um, I expect us to win. 
Um, I don't think it'll be easy. I think they they tend to turn up. They yep. tend to to play okay. And you look at that side that we were, that we were talking about. And if they raise their game and they can stay in it for long enough, they have threats. Yeah. But at the same time, we have <coughs> more threats, and I think we're we're we we create more chances than they'll be able to cope with. And in Danny Ward, they've got a keeper who makes mistakes. I mean, yeah. I say that, and he could turn around. And, yeah, well, that's the thing. You know, no, it's, it's your old goal... players going back to you. Yeah, you I've know, seen terrible goalkeepers come downfield and, and, you know, have the game of their fucking have lives. The game of their uh, lives, yeah. 175 watching, 76 likes. So if you are watching and you do like it, it's very easy. You just hit that thumbs up button. And like I said, if you hit that thumbs up button and you interact in that chat, it gives us more chance of being seen and people can watch and make their own mind if they want to subscribe or not. But I think it's well worth subscribing to. It's nearly every bleeding night of the week. Now I know it because I have to set every fucking show up. And um, it's a great laugh having it. Um, the chat is amazing. Um, if you want to come in here and have a chat around football and not, like, being an arsehole isn't tolerated, really. Um, this is the place for you, honestly. But, um... With regards to Leicester, I think Vardy plays and he's always a threat. Especially yeah. like um, someone said there, high line and we get caught out. That's where they're worried <coughs> about. And it's absolutely huge. And that's why when it comes to lineups, I'm, I'm a big advocate for Canate playing tomorrow. Um, Harvey Barnes, yes. But I would expect Harvey Barnes to be looking to hit us on the break rather than going directly up against Trent and having a a big tussle against them. I think Rodgers is the type that will go to Anfield and say, right, four at the back, two lads in front, if not three, narrow, right? And yeah. it's up to Barnes, Tielemans, and others to hit Vardy. And they look to do that. And maybe Barnes backing it up. But as someone else said in the chat earlier, if we play our game. If we play our game, we win. What should our game be, Kev? And I'll tell you what, I go first. I think, I think it should be Allison. Trent, yep. Yep. I put Canate back in simply because whoever they play up front is going to be electric pace and they're not going to want to go up against Virgil van Dijk. They're going to go the other way. So as much as I love Matip, I'd go with Canate, right? I'd go with van Dijk. I'd go with Robertson. I'd, I'd actually, I'll keep Fabinho, all right? Yeah. I don't think Henderson plays. Yeah. And this is back to I all agree. this three games in a week stuff. He can't do it. Let's let's not let's not fucking be around the bush here. He can't do it, Kev. He cannot play Villa on was this Monday, Friday, yeah. Monday. He can't do it, and I think he's well more um, useful away at Brentford. So I'm going to. I think he'll go. I actually think he'll go Fabinho, Thiago, Elia. I think he'll go back into that. That's where I think yeah. he might go with the midfield and up front. Um, I think he has to put Darwin Nunes down the middle. Yeah, he does. I think Salah, Darwin, right. Salah. and then the left hand side is the one where I'm. I think he might end up putting Carvalho back in there instead of Ox. I genuinely believe that. Um, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't mind that. Um, I'd be surprised if Kanata starts. Um, but then again, you don't know. It might not be the worst thing in the world for him to come back and get that World Cup out of his system and do it at home. You know, it's... Um, you'd assume that... I mean, he's got to be still relatively match-free. He's not going to finish the World Cup, 
stuff his face for two weeks and then come back. He does. He looks like he's naturally fit anyway. But he's he's only been training, I think, since the twenty seventh. So if Klopp says today that after three days he's he's right. Then fair enough. Yeah. Um, the question is is on that on that left hand side and. Do you stick with Ox or do you go with Carvalho? And it's almost a case if you go with Carvalho, it's it's muchness really. I think Carvalho is a. I was surprised he, he could didn't go. Come he off could go mad, Kev. That's, he could go Ox on the right. He could put Salah through the middle and Nunes off the left. He could do that as well. Good, he could. Um, but, but the I thing is, like Nunes, where he plays off the, Nunes, where he plays off the left or centre, ends up sentry an awful lot. It's when you're on the break and you're yeah, and you're flying. He's down the left, but he, he spends an awful lot of time in the middle of the park as well. Do you know what I mean? And I yeah. think what what we need to do against this Leicester side is we need to look at the goalkeeper, the two centre halves, and the left back in particular, yeah. right? And I think we probably need to look at one of the midfielders and say to ourselves, we need to absolutely suffocate this, right? Yeah, I think and yeah, and yeah, they might be restricted to longer balls forward but not ones where Harvey Barnes or Timmons can get that head up and go and put her in that channel for Vardy to chase ones where they have no time to think and air lads mop her up and that's where and if you do that and Harvey Barnes will spend more time in looking where Trent's gone than you know Trent looking the other way that's just the way it works yeah. but I mean, if you do that is- and you get if you get balls in the box I'd fancy Nunes in there um, yeah. Salah getting at that left back there's loads there and it, it always comes back to me, Kev. Amasi is one of those them. players as well. You know, Amasi is one of those players. He'll lunge and he'll make a stupid. He'll he'll give away a stupid foul. Or he give him. Or he give Nunes a yard. He's the air on the channel and, and Nunes lead him alive. But mm. but it always comes back to me, Kev. And, and I, I'm probably boring people at this stage with it. The tempo and application from Liverpool tomorrow is what dictates this game. If we come out and we kind of sit there and we ponder and we think this game would be handy enough and we don't go into our, our a bit like we did at Villa where we just went really fast from the start, Leicester will grow into it, find a way to make this horrible and then really as time ticks on at 60, 65, 70 and you're throwing a Daka on there to a tyrant centre-back or whatever it might be, that's where Leicester will see their way home. But Liverpool, they need to go in here with the right approach, the right tempo, and, and they'll win the game. Oh, yeah. I, I think we'll win all right. Um, but you're right. It's I think we'll dominate the ball. But there's no point in having possession for possession's sake. And we've been guilty of that a lot this season where we've just kept the ball and we've not been penetrating with it. So if Carvalho plays, I wouldn't be opposed to it. But at the same time, I wouldn't mind Ox playing on the left. I think Darwin through the middle, he'll have so many opportunities in the air if he sticks on, if he pulls onto Amartri, that he will probably dominate him in the air. And if he doesn't dominate him in the air, one trick and he's just going to create havoc with him on the ground. He, he's just not a centre-back. He's a, defend, he's a centre-mid that is just thrown into the deep end at the back. Um, you see, I'm, I'm, I just, the, the I reason, just... and but the reason I'm looking at Carvalho is that I expect Leicester to kind of sit in and frustrate, and I think Carvalho, he's not going to run out. I, I don't see an awful lot of him taking on a defender on the outside, but I can see him as a creative, someone that can float into positions and walk there. Um, 
So you open space up for Robertson as well. Well, you and also you have don't to imagine. But you also you don't have imagine to look Tillemans at, is going to go the other way too much either. But you also have to look at we play Brentford on the Monday. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I think it's the Monday. Physical isn't test. It? Yeah, it is the Monday, isn't it? It's, yeah, uh, be, second, isn't it? Could be Tuesday, is it? It is the Monday. Could be um, but the thing is, like, it you have to look at that game as well. So you're probably looking at going. Can we get this? Can we come out and really hit these hard? And that, that they look like the sort of team. If you can get a goal or two goals up in the first half hour, it's over. And that's when you look and go. We bring him the one for a thirty. We'll take Thiago off. Bachetich might might get another half an hour here. You or know, Doak might come on. Naby might come on. Wherever it yeah. might be, and you can make those changes with Brentford in mind because. As much as we're getting players back and Cody Gakbo was signed and you might expect to see him at Anfield tomorrow, yeah. we still have to protect ourselves. And I know it's this game is the most important, but the way we are at the moment, if you had a, if you had a Diaz and a Jota and whoever back, you could kind of go, well, just throw that at it. You know, the sort of way. Yeah. Um, but you still have to look at Brentford away. And for me, it's all about going out and... Get it done, get it done quick, yeah. make yeah. the changes, and, manage the squad. And there is teams out there that you go one nil up against them and after 15 minutes and they go, we're not changing our plan. We're only here to try grab one chance so we can restrict you to two or three. Good. But this Leicester side to me looks like going on the, before the start of the season and that game at the weekend where I only seen highlights. You got a goal up against them, the head drop. It's like they've yeah. just gone, ah, that fella's plan is out the fucking window, you know, the sort of way. Yeah. Just that, um, it was, I watched the first half of it, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, that's what it feels like to me. That's what it feels like to me. But um, just with, if, if you're on bookmakers.com, just the odds on this game, just um, best odds at the moment is with Paddy Power. Liverpool 10 to 3 on. Um, so it's just over 3 to 1 on. Um, Paddy Power have also have the best price on Leicester at 8 to 1 to win away. And William Hill have the best price on a draw at 19 to four so if you go into bookmakers.com you can see all that and you can get your that's updates mad two, that's mad in a two horse race isn't it <coughs> yeah and two horse race that one of them is eight to one yeah well, I, think Everton, I think Everton are 20 to one to win away at City at the weekend um, <laughs> or is it the weekend whatever day it is over this Christmas period <laughs> they've all merged into one at the minute isn't they? yeah so um, if you want to go and check out bookmakers.com you can um, like I said there's loads of stats on there it gives you all the readings on who's available who's not Liverpool statue. They're handy for fantasy football as well. It actually is. It actually because you it can really see as much yeah. what every player is doing, shooting wise and all sorts of stuff. So it's um it's one of those. Um, uh, Owen's asking about Warden and Saicedo. We're going to talk about him in a minute. Um, before I do it up, um, we do a lot of charity work. Oh, sorry, no, before that, before that, right? Predictions, Kev. And you need to give me the Liverpool scores. Yeah. You know what it is. Yeah. 3 0, uh, Darwin 2, and Elliot 1. I'm going to go, and I hate doing this, 4 1 Liverpool. And the reason I hate doing this when I go 4 1 or 5 1, we fucking lose 1 0. Um, but I think if we get a goal up here, I think we could hurt them badly. Um, I think Salah scores. I think Nunes scores. Um, I think a defender scores. So I'm going to go for... I'm not too sure what play at centre-half. I'll go with Van Dijk getting another one, actually. And 
I'm going to go Trent from a free kick. That's what I'm going to go for. Um, four nils says Sam Tandy. Nunez Hattrick and Ox. Four one says Jonathan. Darwin scores four and misses four open goals. Uh, Eunice says three one, but he didn't give the score, so he doesn't count. Uh, five one says Copley. Mo Hattrick. Um, Darwin and Elliot 3-0 Stroll in the park Darwin scores says Jono 5-0 from Kevin Ball Nunes double Salah Trent and VVD Archie says 4-0 Nunes Salah Nunes Salah <laughs> good one um, 3-0 um, from James Stevens. Garmack 4-1 Salah Darwin Fabinho and Thiago 7-0 and we score 5 in the first half says Avo fair enough uh, Chris Brack has 4 Nunes 4-0 Nunes Salah gets 2 and Carvalho Tom Boland says 4-1. Salah breaks with Darwin and Elliot. Vardy getting the one for Leicester. Rory has 3-0. Salah gets 2. And Nunes. Spencer Joyce has 2-0. Salah and Darwin. And Laszlo, I'm going to leave last 3-1. He has Liverpool. No scores listed there. So, fairly confident going into that game. Um, and look, it's all about putting points on the board and get through these FA Cup stuff and get to the end of January. I always pick the end of January around Paddy's day and then they're the two kind of markers for me after the new year. Yeah. And then, bang, we're into it for the last five, six weeks. So um, there you go. We'll go with that. Um, but fairly confident from the chat tonight. As I said, loads of people watching. 97 likes. Keep hitting the like button and keep subscribing. Well, let's get it to 100. Keep, well, keep subscribing if you want, but keep interacting in that chat because that's what keeps it going. Uh, Dermot has 3-0. Salah gets 2. Nunes. Um, if we lose, delete this show, says Kev from Ball. Yeah, Scouts P has 4-0. Trent, Mowbrace and Nunes. Michael Murphy has 10-0. Um, well, um, and Bonker says, I would love it if you're right, but put Doak on second half or he put Carvalho up front and Nunes left he could do anything let's be honest we might see Cody yeah. Gakbo at Anfield as well tomorrow right um, well, it's, it's the first game at Anfield for a long time so yeah. I expect Anfield to be bouncing tomorrow yeah and it's, it's especially it's the last game of the year as well yeah it's an 8 o'clock job isn't it so yeah um, it's 8 o'clock kickoff. it's all good yeah now we do loads of charity work alright Um, we've done stuff for you know Charities that look after fam families that have lost children during birth and after birth. We've we've looked and um, we've we're currently helping a girl called Lydia who's right on target. Um, is it endometriosis? Is that what she's Yeah, um, she's yeah. just about hitting her target now as well. We have had Kane, we've had Sienna, we've had Bobby, and we love doing it. Um, and. Partly the reason why we ask people to like and subscribe and share and interact is because why we do these shows and we love talking about football, the chance there someone subscribes, comes on, sees what we do with charity and goes, I like that. And right, they mightn't hit the subscribe button, but they might donate. And that's way more important, right? So we're going to do a new charity in the new year. This could last anywhere between six and 12 months. We're going to be very honest. But this one is going to be about breast cancer. Now, that might seem a little bit of a left field one for a load of men talking about football, but it's not. It's something that affects a lot of families um, in Ireland, England, wherever, around the world. Breast cancer is a horrible um, disease to have. Um, it is something close to me, I'm going to be honest with you, straight off the bat. It's something that's affected somebody close to me, um, two people fairly close to me in the last year. And it was one of those where when it came up Christmas morning actually we were discussing something me and my wife and she mentioned what about breast cancer 
and I went straight away. I was like, yeah, that fits, um, absolutely fits. So what we're going to do is there's going to be more details over the next week or so because there's there's people that are going to be tied into this. So we're going to promote it, but we actually have a few people that want to run the Dublin Marathon for breast cancer awareness. And in order for them to do it, they don't automatically get into the Dublin Marathon. You have to raise X amount of money to automatically get into the Dublin Marathon because it's one of the most popular marathons in the world. I think it's ran around September. Yeah. Now, I'm going to speak to these people over the next week. They need about 1,500 quid each or something like that to do it, right? So our tag is going to be somewhere between 10 and 20 grand for this. That's what we're going to go for. If it goes way beyond that, brilliant. But we're going to try to tie this in with the podcast. We're going to try to tie it in with these amazing women that are going to try run the Dublin Marathon and help them with their fundraising. It's going to be a team effort. We're going to have a GoFundMe page. The people running the marathon are going to do their part in fundraising. We're going to do our part. We're going to promote them while they promote us. And it's all going to be really good. It's going to come culminate then in the summer where we're going to do our golf day again. And it's going to be for breast cancer awareness or research, whatever way they want to do it. But that's what we're going to do in the new year. So again, I'm going to make no apologies for from January the 4th, 2nd or 3rd, whenever we get this in in in, in um, place, that we're going to tell you all about our GoFundMe page. We're going to tell you about breast cancer. We're going to tell you about the people that want to run this marathon. We're going to tell you about how much we want to raise. We're going to tell you about our golf days, how we need sponsorships, how we need um, prizes, how we need what donations, wherever it might be. And at the end of it, if we can get these women that are really brave to run a marathon for me it just blows my mind that people run marathons but if but if we can help them to run that marathon and it, and on top of that because they're running that marathon um, raise more and more money for breast cancer we're absolutely behind it and we will do everything we possibly can to help as we go along alright um, as I said it, we will have more details in the next week or so where you can donate where you can promote it and like I said, if you're in the chat and you don't want to hit the like button and you don't want to subscribe, but you're willing to take a link and send it to all your friends and family to help us go through this and help women that are, their bravery is unbelievable. Like, and I know this fairly firsthand. Um, to help them in research or, or support or whatever, if, if, we can, if we can get people to share this as much as we can, and raise a load of money for this. That's what we're going to do, all right? Um, Kev, I've gone off a, a lot for a long time there, but I try, I'm that trying to give people right. as much info as I can. And as I said, um, from next week, in the next week or so, I'm going to be meeting people and talking and planning and stuff because it's not going to be us that's going to dictate what's going to go on here. The people that are going to run the marathon and look to do things like that, they're going to dictate to us what they need. We're going to use their voice to get people to help them. We're going to have a golf day. With all proceeds going to them, and like genuinely, these four people could if we if someone had six grand now, they could just give it to them and go here. There's your six grand. Go and run the marathon, and we could send them off into the sun sunset, and they could run the marathon, get a few extra hundred quid each, and we call it that. But we want to do something. We want to do something um, bigger than that, and somewhere between ten and twenty grand, I think, should be a good target. But if that goes to fifty, I'm not going to fucking argue over it. So there you go. Here's the thing: most people who listen to this are men. All right. Correct. We've all got we've all got partners, we've all got sisters, mums. It's a horrible ill it's a horrible disease that, that visits too many households. Mm-hmm. And through this, we're all gonna learn an awful lot more about it. 
if it hasn't knocked on your door, we'll we'll all learn about this and what we can do. And it's more about the awareness than anything else. It's like with any form of um, it's, it's the same with test, testicular cancer. It's the same with an awful lot of stuff. Prevention is better than anything else. And there are certain things that can be done with checking yourself and what have you. It, we're all going to learn all the way through this process. So there's, you know, roll on January and we all get to, we all get to start talking about it an awful lot more. Yeah. Um, Jonathan says, Gav, you have to run the marathon. I want to see it. Jonathan, if, <laughs> if I went to run that marathon, you'd have to close Dublin down for about four days while I finished it. And then you're running past loads of pubs. I just wouldn't be able to have you just got into the pub. Um, Tom Bowling says, apologies never needed when it comes to charities, Gav. We've all known someone has been affected from this disease. Listen, the majority of people that watch this are men. Um, they range they range between twenty five and fifty five years of age. But Kev's right. You know, breast cancer doesn't strike people at fifty or sixty or you know, it's not like dementia or Alzheimer's. Um, this strikes people at any age. You know, you could you could have a you could have a sister or a, a cousin or a, a, even an aunt in their twenties and something goes wrong and they feel they find a lump and you know and it, it could be it could be something that's straightforward and that's fine but there's other women out there that are going through all sorts of treatment and it's it's brutal on the body yeah. um both in a in ways you can see and ways you can't see but it's also brutal on you mentally you know people people out there think that when someone gets breast cancer or any sort of cancer any sort of disease that your life just stops and you just deal with this and they're over there dealing with that and they'll be okay. No, you got a disease and you might have kids to rear, you know, or you might have an elderly mother you have to look after or a job to go to. Um, some jobs are great, some jobs aren't. Some jobs will turn around and they'll pay you for three weeks and then that's you, that's your lot. You know, you'll be on the sick and the government will pay it. So it's something where, you know, if we do this and it helps in research or it helps supporting people, whatever, I'm not going to make that decision. All I'm going to do is I'm going to set up a GoFundMe. I'm going to take my lead from women um, who I think may affected by it. I'm not too sure. Have family affected by it? Possibly. Um, but have taken it upon themselves to try and go do something to help. And we're going to try to support them doing that and push them even beyond that. So, yeah, they might run 26.2 miles or walk a crawl part of it, for all I know. But at the end of the day, when they come over that line, they've achieved something for themselves. They've achieved something for other people and we've helped them to push them even further than that and have golf days, and which will be more than likely all men. But I'm sure everyone in that room, whether it's 30, 40 players playing golf, people that come along and help, people that are serving food, people that are playing guitars while we're having the laugh that night, would turn around and go, yeah, it's happened to me where I've had a family member like that or it could happen to me. And that's that's the big thing. So um, it's, it's something that we're passionate about regardless of what we do or who we're, we're trying to help. But when it comes down to this, we're, we're going to help people to achieve something in doing a marathon that they really want to do, raise money, and I hope go beyond their wildest dreams as to what they can earn. And if we can help with that, um, that's where it's going to, um, that's that's where it's going to, again, be the highlight of the year for the LFC Day Trippers. Results are great. Goals are great. Signings are brilliant. But, when when I sit back at the end of this year and I look at I look at how Sienna is, I look at 
how Bobby is, Lydia's getting on, you know, and um, Fayla Connor are helping people, I'm sure, over the Christmas time where tragedy has struck in some way. And I know that, you know, air listeners, um, people that play golf for us, whatever it might be, have helped because there's someone on the end of the phone because we've helped. There's somebody getting something um, or some sort of support because we helped. I don't think back to the lads to that show was great and look how many people watched it and how many people downloaded or how many laughs we have. I genuinely sit at the end of the year and go, you know, that person we helped, that person, that that company, that charity, wherever it might be, that's what stands out. That's what stands out. Um, so, as I said, we've, we've taken up 20 minutes of your time probably talking about that, but I think it's worth it. And it gives you a head up. It gives you a heads up as to what we're going to try to do. If you can support in any way, please do so. And we'll have fun while we're doing it. You know, we're not going to sit here every week and go, isn't breast cancer terrible? It is. But we're going to have a laugh while we're doing it because we have a good mix of lads on here that they know they can say stuff and not get away with it, but you know they're never going to say anything in badness. You know, they're going to say it and it's going to be one where you go, do you know what? We're trying to make the best of this and make it as lighthearted as we possibly can because at the end of the day, we're just idiots talking football. That's all we really are. Um, talking of football, Kev, um, Moises Saucedo. Maybe I'm about today on social media. Yeah. I just want to talk about this player before we go. Um, oh, I, nice. I went on a bit of a... You're all in it, yeah. Oh, I went, I, I'm all in. Um, I've seen prices from 40 to 50 to 70 to 70 plus va. I've seen fucking mad stuff. Um, <laughs> I've seen people say that Liverpool stretched themselves to the limit to sign Cody Gakbo. Um, yeah, that's a mad, that was a madness. But a midfielder has to happen, Kev. This fella just fits. Are you believing anything or is it just the next name on the conveyor belt that, you know, because I'll put it to you this way. I'm all in, but then I, you see, like, Liverpool have made a bid, Liverpool are in talks, no, they're not, yeah, they are. Oh, Chelsea are interested now, and it's like, are we just running this circle again? Listen, okay, uh, I'll be the doom and gloom bit of this. There's an awful lot of people sat at home, bored out of their brains, switching their phones like this, waiting for the next bit of info to come out. And yeah. um, A paper never refused ink. There's an awful lot of people whose living it is to make you press like and press retweet and share it into all your social medias and what have you. I think if you're looking to, like most of the so-called ITKs on social media, most of them will sit down and try and do two plus two. And they'll look at it and they go, okay, we know he's on really low wages. We know he's a really good player. And we know Liverpool are looking for this type of player. It's an easy link to make. It really is. And I said last night, and the only thing that is stopping me from getting too hyped on him is Brighton really don't need to sell. If Caicedo wants to force the issue, I think he could. I think the player power could come into it. And you never know what could happen. But he's a perfect player for what we need. And long term, he, under Klopp, he could be anything. He could be an absolute superstar in the making. Mm. It's just a case of um, can you get him done in January? <clears throat> I think it'll ultimately, like most transfers, it'll come down to the player. Yeah. Uh, but I think at the minute, between now and the 2nd of January, there's an awful lot of people with time in their hands. Plus, Liverpool have already got one in the door. Yeah. There's clubs out there looking, well, you know, we need to be doing something. You know, they've already done it and look how they did it. 
You know, Klopp mentioned in these press conferences today, there's a lot of people knew about this deal. Nobody said a damn word. Not even PSV. Mm. You know, and credit to PSV because it would have been a very easy thing to to leak it out through, from their end. Yeah. They never did. Yeah. You know, the, the only close thing that came was their sport. And Mar- Marcel Brandt said in an interview before the World Cup, and he just dropped dropped in Liverpool. Like when Liverpool come in for a player, it's literally the easiest deal in the world to make because they'll come in with the valuation, they'll just get it done. There's no haggling, there's no arguing. It's just clean and simple, mm. and they know what they want. Uh, that was what the the nuts and bolts of what he said, and he's right. You look at the track record the club have had over the last few years. We know the kind of player that we want, and that's key to everything. Every every press conference Klopp has asked about players, it has to be the right player, yeah. and that's key. There's a no assholes policy at the club, and so far it seems to be working well for us. Mm. John has stretched ourselves for thirty seven million. Why do the club keep trying to tell us they are broke? Well, who are they trying to kid? No one filing for that rubbish. John, the club told nobody they stretched themselves for thirty seven million. Exactly, nobody. The club did not say a word about where they got the £37 million from and how much of a dent it put in their finances. A journalist today came out and said that they stretched themselves for this. No links, no nothing. And what it does is it gets people going, oh, we, we've no money left. What are we going to do? And that's the rubbish of it all, John. That's the rubbish and bear of it all. Bear in mind, the, nobody, the journalist who nobody, said it. Come here. The, the, yeah. the, the, same, the same company that said this, the same publication, told you a week ago that Liverpool would be really quiet in the January transfer window. That's it. So that's where the rubbish is coming from. Nobody, and you can subscribe for nine ninety nine for whatever nobody, for five months. Exactly. Listen, nobody's seen that's this coming, the Gakbo thing. No. And so you say it all mightn't happen, but the, the, someone could land in the next 48 hours and you mightn't see it coming. That's just the way it goes. This is, the thing. This is it. I mean, um, the, the only talk that I've seen around players, and it's mainly coming out of Italy, is around um, McAllister. Yeah, but that and, was a wrong publication uh, that named about seven clubs as well. Exactly. It, and everyone is, it, everyone is in this boat now. Until the window opens, all people are going to be doing is printing speculation. When the window opens, you'll see... It, it's like every transfer window. It's like a deck of cards. Once one move happens, that triggers a move somewhere else. That triggers money available. So, and and that's how it'll work. Yeah. And this January, I think, will be busier than most, mainly because of the volume of games that clubs have to play between now and the end of the season, and the intensity of those games. Yeah, you know, it's, clubs it, looking to get more. Yeah, than yeah. They so you, you you need that extra one or two players to help you get over the hump. Yeah. So I think we will get someone in. But there's a good chance that it's someone who's not on anyone's radar. Mm. I don't know. I just thought I wanted to be Moises Mo- Mo- Saicedo or Saicedo, as Matt likes to call him. But look, you can call him whatever you want. It's, it's the fella from Brighton. Um, that has been the midweek fix. Really enjoyed it. Um, Liverpool play tomorrow against Leicester. Um, Matt and Chris, I think, tomorrow night from 10 p.m. Yeah. for the full time Reds. Um, we're off Saturday, Sunday. We're back Monday with full time Reds, which will be. Chris and Kev. Yeah, myself and yeah. Chris. Um, from half seven, I think. 
on the Monday and then we'll be back into things as normal from Tuesday and as I said we hope to have more update on the charity walk and where we're going with it and what we need from people and what we'd like you to do and how you can help and by this by in six months time we'll be all sitting here with a load of money raised for that charity and we'll be all absolutely delighted with ourselves um, that has been the midweek fix thanks for being to Kev thanks for being to everyone in the chat that liked and commented and if you want to subscribe you can um, but you've done your job tonight absolutely fair play with all the comments that's it. Talk to you in a bit. Over and over. Sports Social Podcast Network.